Welcome back to the new year, new B&B. <laughs> Same old B&B. <laughs> Same old us. We are coming in hot with a bonus episode for the first That's one. right. It's coming out on January 3rd. Mm-hmm. It's the first bonus episode of year two. Oh, I thought you were saying, but 2023. And I was like, I think we're a little bit further than two. Oh. It is now the year two. Welcome. <laughs> it's BT. It's Beth time. Beth time. <laughs> So I have a bummer, that's why I chose to do it today, on a bonus episode. Cause We're starting off your year with the bummer style. Yeah, and that this way, if you don't want to listen to a bummer, I'm just going to warn you full stop, skip this one, come back later if you want, but it does have two survivors. What disturbs me is that you're telling us what a bummer it is, but originally you were researching this for a survivor episode. I was episode. going to do, yeah, for a survivor, <laughs> but it just made me sad the longer I read about it. Alright, alright, well let's hear it. Alright. Jamie Grunwald and Daniel Mulligan both lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin in 2021. Jamie and Daniel had been together for a couple of years, or maybe just a year, but they were both 28 years old in 2021. Unfortunately, though, they broke up and were still friends, so it was like an amicable thing where she had children and he was kind of the stepdad for a while there, and so they remained friends so that they could keep in contact with the kids. Okay. Jamie was a bartender at Rockabilly Saloon in Green Bay, and on March 15th, just a couple of days after they broke up, she was closing down the bar alone. While finishing up with the cleaning, the front door opened, and a man that she had never seen before walked in holding a knife. Now, the bar was closed, but normally her routine at this point, every time she had to close, Daniel would come meet up with her there and just walk in, sit at a table, and wait for her to finish up, and then walk her to the car, you know? Okay. And since they had just broken up a couple of days ago, she wasn't yet into the new swing of things and forgot to lock the door. Yeah. And when she heard it open, she probably thought... Oh, Daniel. You know, in her first mind, she wasn't immediately thinking, why would that be Daniel? Because Mm -hmm. we broke up. Exactly. So she looked up, saw this random man holding a knife, and got a bad feeling in her stomach. Yeah, I think I would too. She tried to get away, but like I said, he came through the front door, so she ran to the back of the bar where the restrooms were to try to go out the back exit. As Jamie passed the bathrooms in the back, the man got a hold of her and shoved her into them, and it was like a single stall bathroom, so it was just one toilet. And then it was a the, one-holer. It was a one-holer, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so he shoved her back in there and started to attack her, and he actually, she found out later because of the security footage from the bar, he only had her locked in the bathroom for 15 seconds total because she fought like hell against him. Yeah. And he continued to stab her, stab her, stab her, and eventually she got away from him just enough to slip out of his grip, run out of the front of the store, and run to the next business over. Okay. And she was the only one closing? Yes. Only person in this building at all. Okay. After Aside dark. from the killer guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. He did try to chase her down. He ended up getting into his car out in the parking lot and trying to chase her to that restaurant over next door. And she got inside just in time. The owner came out and started telling him, go away, go away, and he called the police. And then this random attacker comes back and tries to drive over the owner who rescued her into his restaurant. So the owner stayed outside to see where the guy was going? Yeah, I think he was trying to get a license plate or something like that, saying, okay, well, I see him right now. This Mm -hmm. is a description, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So he tried to run down the man, but the... Restaurant owner got back inside with Jamie, and this attacker just drove his car into the building trying to hit the owner, and then he got out of the car and just ran off down the road with the knife still. 
Obviously, Jamie got taken to the hospital and all was good and well with her. She had a couple stab wounds, but it could have been a lot worse, to be honest. Nothing critical. Yes. However, she found out later that when he had run off down the road, he saw a group of cars that were lined up waiting behind the railroad crossing gate that had come down because there was a train coming. And so there were about three or four cars sitting there at that point. He, now knowing that his car is back at the attack site, probably beyond driving condition... He decides, I'm going to go ahead and try to get somebody out of their car and steal it from them and make a run for it somehow. I don't think he was thinking very clearly, because where was he going to go once he was in the car and there's still a train? Yeah. And the train was already going past, or it was just down and they were waiting on the train to No, the train was already in the process of crossing through, so it was going to be a little bit there. Okay. So he went up to the first of the cars in the line, and that was owned by a 70-year-old man alone in it. He proceeded to punch out the window, the driver's side window, and reach in, unlock the door, and pulled the man out, stabbed him, and got in his car and tried to take off, but he didn't get far because they came and arrested him on the spot. That 70-year-old man later died in the hospital. So that 70-year-old man was named Gary Bozar, and he had recently retired and only three weeks earlier had his first grandson born. Oh, jeez. Just sitting at a railroad crossing, some psychopath comes and kills you just because you're there. And there's absolutely nothing he could have done. I mean, he it's not like he left the car door unlocked. Yeah. The guy busted through the window. What are you supposed to do in that situation? There's nothing you can do yeah. unless you're armed yourself. Mm. I guess you have one of those little window breaker hammers and you poke his eye out. I have two now. <laughs> So once the crazed man was eventually caught and arrested, they identified him as 22-year-old Wesley J. Bryce. He was, as I said before, a complete stranger to all of his victims. And he had been suffering with mental health on top of a drug addiction at the time. He had been on, they didn't say what drugs, but sounds like multiple. Just recently, about a week or two ago, he received 79 years without parole in prison. Wow. But it's just sad. And... That's not the end of the story, don't worry. <laughs> I just wanted... I'm like, wow, five minutes, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wow, this was a terrible survivor story. <laughs> like I told you, Jamie was hospitalized, but luckily none of her stab wounds hit any major organs, although she did have two of them, that one that was just a couple centimeters away from her lung, and then one where he had tried to slash her throat, and he had ended up across her cheek. I'd rather have my cheek slashed than my throat. But Not that I'm asking anybody to come and do that. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. If you gave me the choice. Expendable, probably a lot easier to sew up. So Jamie was in the hospital for a little bit there. Fast forward, that was on March 15th, 2021. Now, Jamie's ex-boyfriend, Daniel Mulligan, who had gone to the hospital and visited with her to help her heal up, offered to watch her kids for her and stuff. So they were still in communication this whole time. Daniel Mulligan went in for his usual shift at Duck Creek Kitchen and Bar, which was a restaurant inside of a Indian reservation, okay. a casino type of thing. Mm-hmm. But he was one of the chefs there. Without warning, a former employee that he used to work with named Bruce Pofel came in through the back entrance in the kitchen and walked out to the floor where the waiter stand is. Yeah. And so they were still in the kitchen technically, but there was like a counter separating them from the customers. The former employee, Bruce, walked in and without any warning, shot two employees who were standing at the waiter's desk and happened to be six feet away from Daniel. 
it all happened very fast. He was just chopping up some things at a station six feet away. He hears two pops and looks over and two of his coworkers on, on the ground covered in blood. Oh my God. Daniel immediately began helping people in the flurry of everything. They said there was like 200 people that worked here. So you, you can probably imagine on a nighttime casino day, there's going to be thousands of people in this casino, restaurant, bar oh, yeah. complex. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people roll through those places. Mm-hmm. So he's just trying to... I'm an employee, I'm working here, I need to tell everybody where the exits are, go here, everybody meet out in the parking lot here, and directing people. And then once he was sure that everybody was out of the restaurant, he went back to his co-workers to see if they could be revived in any way, any kind of medical attention he could provide them. What happened to Bruce? In the scuffle of everything, he, he just, just ran out? disappeared into the crowd with everybody. Nobody knows where he is at this point. Okay. But did they know who it was at this point? Daniel did. Okay. Daniel was the only one who saw him, though. Okay. Cause, or at least that recognized him because mm-hmm. he worked with him. Yeah. So Daniel went back to his coworkers on the ground and discovered they weren't waking up, but they had other people that were there working on them. So he said, okay, they're in good hands. People are calling the police. I'm going to go look for Bruce because I know who this guy is, and I know if I can find him, I can point him out to the cops. You know? Yeah. Finally, he went back out to the parking lot. I'm feeling Daniel. really afraid for Daniel. I know. Daniel went out to the parking lot where everybody had congregated to wait for emergency services to arrive. And as he walked out there, he spotted Bruce in the crowd just talking with people and hanging out as if he also was confused and didn't know what it's was like, going wow, on. Wow, this is a horrible thing that just happened, Yeah, what's isn't going it? on? Why is everybody panicking? Oh, what was that noise? Daniel, just wait for the police and mm-hmm. tell them who it was. However, at this point, he saw Bruce... And Danny was in such a fight-or-flight response at this entire time. As he saw Bruce in the parking lot, he realized one of the co-workers that had died and been shot by this guy was his best friend that he worked with, his roommate, his best friend of years. And flashed into his mind like, wait, he's dead. I think he's dead. And so he saw Bruce and said, that's the guy who did it, and he just charged him. That was his response to that. He lost it and just let his emotion and instinct take over. Mm -hmm. As Daniel rushed him, Bruce fired his final shot point blank into Daniel's face. Oh my god. However, this shot did alert the police to the shooter's location because up until then he just blended in. Nobody knew who had done it at all. Yeah. And so the police got there, they surrounded him, and he refused to go along with them or cooperate in any way, and they ended up having to shoot him, so Bruce was shot on the scene and died there. I don't care that much about that one, considering what he just did. Rest in hell, motherfucker. (sighs) So I just wanted to do a little bit, there wasn't a whole lot of information about the two people who passed away in this attack, but I found a little bit. Ian Simpson, who was 32 years old, was the executive chef here at the restaurant. He was who I was talking about, Daniel's best friend and his roommate. A friend of his described him. I thought that this was... A really sweet metaphor. The kind of friend who you could ask to hide a million dollars, and he would do it without asking any questions, and when you went to get it back, the full million would still be there. (laughs) Aww, that's a really cool thing to say. Yeah. As opposed to you, who said you would give me the third degree if I asked you to lend me $100,000. Well, if you're (laughs) taking money from me, of course. But if you gave me a million dollars, I'd be like, I'm not asking anything, because then... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The second co-worker who was shot was Jacob Bartell, who was 35 years old, and he was a server there at the restaurant. 
He was constantly offering his support to anyone who needed a makeshift family, so people who didn't really have anybody in the area, stuff like that. He would host, like, Friendsgivings and stuff like that and bring them into his home. And another server that worked with him, she was talking about him and said that when she had become homeless, because it sounded like a relationship of hers ended, and she just suddenly had nowhere to live and was living out of her car, without any hesitation, Jacob kind of cornered her and said, come to live with me at my house. You don't have to pay any rent for however long you want to get on your feet. And he allowed her to live there for years. Just no, oh, wow. absolutely no rent. So. What a guy. Were they specifically targeted or were they just the ones that he saw when he came in the door? I think it was just first person he sees is going down and then as many as he can pick off. And, and had the Bruce guy been fired? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was mad about being fired. Yes. People that suck get fired and then they're mad they got fired then don't suck that's another one of the reasons why this is not a a happy survivor story because yes on top of all the obvious reasons but daniel came forward after in the hospital and was explaining to people i'm pissed i'm pissed at my employers because they fired him yeah but bruce was a pervert he had sexually harassed multiple female co-workers and they had done nothing about it and then he said that he had been stalking a lot of the male coworkers and sending them threatening texts and even put a tracker on his roommate's car at one point. Oh my god. And so they finally fired him. Daniel and a lot of the coworkers mm-hmm. got a protection order against Bruce so that he wouldn't come back around them and stay away from their property and stuff. And Bruce had even after he'd been fired gone to one of the females that he had harassed, harassed in the past and took a picture from the outside of her house at nighttime and texted it to her as a threat. And nobody took it seriously. And Daniel said, we were all going to the higher up saying, we need to do more than just fire him because he's dangerous. He's doing weird things. This is not normal. And nobody did anything. And then a couple weeks after getting fired, Bruce went and bought a gun. And even though he had multiple protection orders, but he went and bought a gun and they had to do the background check and everything, even though he had protection orders out with multiple people. Still, they were like, yep, yep, you look good. Go ahead, have a gun. So having a protection order against you is not means to deny you a gun permit? Not until 21 yet. I don't know if they're changing that, but that seems like... Yeah, or at least, hey, maybe report that to the police, even if you have to sell it to them, you know? I don't understand that at all. I don't either. And that's why Daniel's so upset and speaking out about it. I thought Daniel got shot in the parking lot in the face. He did. I didn't say he died. Oh, he didn't die? No, Jacob Bartell and Ian Simpson died. Well, you said he got shot in the face. I just assumed mm-hmm. he died. You didn't say he didn't. So. Yeah, that's why I thought okay, well, that's, that's why I thought this was going to be a good survivor story. But <laughs> Okay, well, I'm glad at least that Daniel survived. I yeah. didn't think all this time I thought that he had not. Seamless segue. Because when the paramedics arrived, nobody else thought that he was alive either. They went to take Daniel's pulse. He's obviously shot in the face. And he actually flatlined and was dead for 27 seconds until they eventually got a pulse and he started breathing again. And it sounds like they didn't even have to do CPR. He just came back too and was like, wow, whoa. He's like, ouch, my face hurt. I just had a terrible fucking nightmare. But he woke up and he was not only awake and alive, he was still conscious and even trying to get up and talk to the police about what had happened and make sure that, because he didn't know that Bruce had been shot and taken out yet. After flatlining for 27 seconds, they got him up into a life flight and he received life-saving surgeries. His jaw had to be wired shut and he was left wearing an eye patch on his right eye. But 
after being shot in the face, he only spent two weeks in the hospital. And that's just not intensive care, like, in the hospital at all. And yeah. then he got to go home. Wow. Well, good for him. He's a tough guy. All things considered, that's pretty good. And after that happened, Jamie, his ex-girlfriend, had just gotten home from the hospital after her stab wounds had all healed. And so she came back to visit him. And I just wanted to show you, they got back together, didn't they? Yeah, there's her in the hospital, and then there's him in the hospital, her Aww. visiting him as he's healing. Aww. It's just very sweet. And what are the chances that they would both have those violent attacks against them? So random. So random, completely unprovoked, just completely out of the blue, within a couple weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. Life-changing attacks like that. Yeah. They said they obviously wanted to be there for each other because they loved each other, they cared about each other, even if they weren't together at that point. Right. They both really suffered, not even with the physical injuries, because they said that was the easy part, because overall they were pretty okay. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were survivors in a situation where a lot of the people near them were not lucky enough to do that, and that survivor's guilt was the worst part for it, and just to have somebody else that felt that and wouldn't judge you talking about it like that, it yeah. really helped them both. And I would think that there would be some sort of PTSD or something that makes you be in kind of normal, typical situations, but still have a little nagging feeling like, mm-hmm. I've been in a situation before that I thought was safe, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I think that people who have those kinds of random attacks upon them, like that, sometimes yeah. go forever without ever quite feeling 100% safe again. Well, and it's to have somebody else on your side who knows exactly that feeling of fight or flight of the adrenaline and then the realization of what just happened they're gonna understand if you're like i have to go check the door again tonight just real quick sorry i know i've done it three times but i just have to double check it's locked did you set the bomb by the front door the bomb (laughs) maybe don't do that that seems like a terrible idea (laughs) at least you know they were coming (laughs) that's true (laughs) put a landmine under the front door poor jehovah's witnesses that just walked up Oh my goodness. Oh my sky, kitty. <laughs> and I don't know if they're still together. Like I said, this was over a year ago that this all went down and they were reunited in the hospital. But trauma but... can be a big uniter for people. Mm-hmm. For sure. It can also be a divider, but... There's a certain level of bonding that does come from personal experience, even if you weren't in the same situation, a similar mm-hmm. situation. You hear that from victims of these attacks and stuff all the time, where they go and meet them at a support group later, and it's like, you get it. <laughs> yeah, because it's nice to know that you're not the only one who understands how you feel, mm-hmm. because I don't know what it's like to have that kind of an attack. And sometimes you don't even know how you feel it, that you just explain what you're feeling, and then the other person explains it to you in a way that helps you out and that's just I don't know so I, I'm happy that they at least had each other to get through it since then though Daniel has returned to his hometown which is in Massachusetts so that's why I said I don't really know if they're still together seems like she's still in Wisconsin mm-hmm. they're both healing incredibly well but all their physical injuries are pretty much over and done with and healed he still wears an eye patch sometimes but it sounds like the only problem he really has in his right eye is like light sensitivity Oh, I feel that. Yeah, so he can still see. Everything's pretty up to code. He has since formed a group of friends to make music with him, and they're releasing new stuff all the time. So if you want to go check out Daniel Mulligan, I think he has a GoFundMe for for him and stuff. Because there's a lot of hospital bills after that. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, but he ended up getting $30,000 within a month. 
since it was such a horrible, depressing story with a lot of senseless death, I just wanted to end on a semi-positive quote that Daniel gave in his most recent interview. Mm-hmm. And he said, Love as hard as you can, as often as you can, and don't let petty shit get in the way. <laughs> and then he said, Just be. Well, I think that's pretty wise. Mm-hmm. I think that some people have different opinions on what petty shit is, though. I think he was more talking about him and Jamie. Where it's like, God, you annoy me so much. Let's just not be together then. And then after this, and they're like, that was a fucking stupid argument, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of stupid arguments in relationships. Yeah. But some of them matter, so it's not all stupid shit. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Like, if somebody's punching you every day, that's not stupid shit. That's and you not shouldn't, petty. You shouldn't, <laughs> yeah, that's not petty, and you shouldn't be putting up with that. That was kind of a shit show. I don't know if I have heard mm-hmm. all positivity all the time. At least someone survived. Anyway, good job on that. Thanks. That's like the messed up thing is that honestly, if I didn't find the article about the two of them coming back together and them having each other through it all, I don't think a lot of this story would have ever been major news in the U.S. (laughs) Because technically only one person died in the first attack and two people died in a workplace shooting in the second attack. And that's really not that uncommon. I hate to say it, but... The fact that the two of them were a couple, split up, experienced those two terrible things, and then ended up back together again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes there's a survivor in a horrible situation, and you're just like, I'm proud of you. (laughs) I'm proud of them, too. Here we Um, are, starting off your new year with a bang, with the landmine under the front mat. (laughs) Something tells me the HOA is going to have, like, a slight problem (laughs) with that. (laughs) Maybe send an email, ask if that's cool. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> what is your stance on landmines? <laughs> it's only under my front mat. It's not like it's on the sidewalk. It's not on the street. That would be a really big problem. <laughs> so we will be back again on Friday with a regular episode. Mm-hmm. So that will be our first regular episode of the year. And if you are a Patreon member, I'm sure... In the next couple days, I'll be wanting to record a hiss and purr about the Idaho cases. And they just arrested somebody for it. That's all I got. Thanks for popping (laughs) in on this Tuesday, guys. And we will see you on Friday. See you Friday. Happy New Year, guys. Bye. Bye. First time recording in two weeks. And we forgot how this machine works. I hope you chose the right microphone. We haven't done it for a minute. I did. I've got blue ball. I mean snowball. You've got blue ball. He's a blue snowball. I can be any kind of ball I want to be, Mommy. (laughs) Yes, you can. Do you want me to stop you here and tell you about some bands that came out of Green Bay, Wisconsin? Are there any? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Stop playing footsie with me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't tell because I've got my slippers on. God, this isn't a happy story at all. You're right. I am allergic to the sound of your voice. Okay. All right. Enough bullshit from us. <laughs>